Good morning, everybody. We're going to read the scripture. If you could have a seat, thank you. Hear the word of the Lord from John 8, 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. This is the word of the Lord. All right, we are in John chapter 8. And uh, I really mean this when I say it. I know you probably think I got to say it, but I truly mean it. That it is an honor to be here. I mean, it really is. Uh, my name is Mitch, and uh, I'm a pastor of a church uh, called Griggs Memorial Baptist Church. It's on Poinsett Highway. It's a very similar church in some ways to your church. And we're at the tip of the Mill Crescent of West Greenville in a neighborhood called Poe Mill. And so our ministry and our outreach um, looks very similar to your ministry and to your outreach. And I know that you guys don't know me, but I want you to know, I know you. Um, I've, been doing, I've, I've been at Griggs doing that for eight years. And after a few years, when will planted reconcile all of a sudden everyone i'm talking to tells me you got to meet will you got to know will do you know pastor will will brought us and so finally i was like i got to meet this guy will brought us and so him and i we met at the wendy's on white horse road right two church planners that was good eating for us right we're like <laughs> on a budget um and uh yeah, we met and hung out, and we've been friends ever since, fast friends, and I, and I love Will. Will is an amazing Bible teacher. Will is an amazing gospel preacher. He truly loves you. He truly loves the community, and I'm just so proud of him. And I also want you guys to know, and I mean it. I really do. I'm not just saying it. I'm actually, I, I've been following ever since it was planted. By God's grace, our church has gotten to, since we started, we, we were actually more of a revitalization than a plant, a replant than a plant. But so we had a few years ahead of you guys. And uh, when you guys started by God's grace, we were able to do some, some service projects together and give some help over here to Will and the team. And, you know, so I've been watching the whole time. And I just want you to know you're an amazing church. I really believe in you, and I'm really proud of you, and I want to encourage you to keep up the good fight. I'll tell you this, if I wasn't a pastor at Griggs Memorial Baptist Church, where Jesus has called me in Poe Mill, I would be going here. No doubt about it. You guys, um, I'm just proud of you for your heart, for your neighborhood and community. I'm proud of you for doing the hard work of following Jesus and reaching out and doing justice and, and making disciples 
and doing it when it all works out great and doing it when it doesn't work out so great, which I imagine that's happened on occasion. Uh, if your church is anything like mine. And I just want you to know this, Reconcile, that you know, I go to a lot of pastors' get-togethers, pastors' gatherings, hangouts. There's a lot of pastor hangouts and gatherings in Greenville. And I'm not important by any means, but they usually have a free lunch, so I always attend. And <laughs> I, I always make sure I'm there. And I just want you guys to know this is true, that when outreach in our city comes up, you guys come up. When how to do outreach, doing it right, doing it well, doing it consistently, doing it with the right heart, reaching those who need to know Jesus and be discipled, when all that comes up, reconcile, you guys, come up. So I really want to encourage you in the Lord. I'm proud of you, and I love you, and just, I know it's hard, but just keep fighting the good fight, because God has great reward for you and in this church. Love you very much, and I'm glad to be here with you today. I've been asked to teach today in Will's absence, and I'll do my best. Just want to give you a quick word about some good news. And the good news I've come to share is that Jesus sets us free from our self-deception. I know you know that it is possible for you to lie to others, and I know you know it's possible for others to lie to you. It's part of being in a broken, fallen world. People have lied to you, and that hurts. But you've lied to them and hurt them, and we know about all that. But did you know that it is actually possible to lie to yourself? This is called self-deception. It's part of our sin nature, part of the flesh, it's when we believe things about ourselves that are not true. I remember really understanding this concept when I was middle school, early high school, which is when um, a really popular show came out called American Idol. Now, this is before The Voice. This is before America's Got Talent. I mean, this was kind of a new concept in some, some sense. I mean, I'm, to, to me, it was at least. And it was kind of, you know, a phenomenon. It was back before streaming and before Netflix. You know, you actually had to sit down on Thursday nights around the TV at the right time to see this thing. And millions of Americans did. And I'll tell you, I remember those early seasons, watching those early seasons. One thing that was really interesting about it, back then, we didn't like, we weren't that into the last couple of episodes where they declared a winner. It's not why we watched it. Back then, everybody was fascinated by the show because of the first few episodes where you would see these people who, who fly in for an audition. They wait in line for days on end for, for an audition. They get an interview before their audition and say, I am, I am the next American Idol. I've been singing since I was a child. This has been my dream. I know this is what I'm going to do. I, I love to sing. It's my passion. America, I'm your next idol. And they would actually then get into the audition. And whatever they were doing did not sound like singing. <laughs> right? It sounded like a medical emergency. <laughs> right? Like, do we have EMTs on site, right? Get the defibrillator, like, clear, like, like, rescue these people from whatever they're going through. I mean, they would stop the audition in the middle of it. 
And the judges are trying not to laugh. And then, of course, to make great TV, they all just dog on this dude or this lady. They just totally tear him apart for a minute and a half going, how did you think this was going to go? Like, what, who lied to you and told you you could sing? And most of the time, the liar was them. They lied to themselves. They believed things about themselves that were not true. I remember watching that and being fascinated as a kid, like middle school, young high school kid about that, that you could really believe something about yourself that was not true. I remember that kind of coming into my awareness and thinking, where am I believing things about myself that are not true? Now, this was all before I was really even a Christian. And now that I'm a Christian, and now that I especially am a pastor, I think about it all the time, and I notice it all the time. Myself, me, my people at Griggs, and perhaps some of you, we're broken sinners, and we believe things about ourselves that are not true. And it's not just musically, it's spiritually as well. And this is what Jesus is speaking into in John chapter 8, where he is in the Jewish temple at a Jewish feast or festival, and he's around his Jewish brethren, a quite a large crowd, and some of them have come to him in the middle of his long speech in John chapter 8, and they say that they believe in him. But he knows that they, like us, struggle with self-deception. So Jesus is going to tell them, remain in his word, remain in my word, because my word is actually the truth that you're looking for. It's the truth you cannot find anywhere else. It's the truth you think you had, but don't. It's the truth, and the truth will set you free from your own lies. And that's good news. He says it this way, John 8, 31, 32. He says, to those who believed in him, if you will continue in my word, you really are my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. That's good news. Because we're a people self-deceived, self-deception. We believe things about ourselves that are not true. Now, the bad news is this. Here's some tough news, difficult to hear, but true, is that one of the ways in which we're often self-deceived is that we believe we're free, even free in Christ, when we're really enslaved. And some of the people in the crowd that he's speaking to in John 8, that's their situation. He said, you know, you think you're free because you've believed my word so far, but there's some more words to come. And so if you will continue with me to the cross, you'll continue with me through the rest of this journey, you'll continue as I, with me as I keep teaching and preaching all around Galilee and all around Jerusalem up until they crucify me, then you really are my disciples if you'll stay under my truth. See, they believe what he said so far, but this is John 8. There's 13 more chapters to go in the book of John, and Jesus is going to talk about some things that are very difficult for their early first century Jewish ears to hear. Throughout the rest of the book of John, Jesus is going to talk about how there's no more sacrifice on the altar for sin. Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus is the ransom for our sin. He's coming to be a ransom for many. He's going to talk about how he's going to ascend to heaven after 
being a sacrifice, that he's going to rise again, ascend to heaven, and from there, send down the Holy Spirit. And it will not fill the temple, it'll fill us, and we'll become the temple. He's going to talk about, in the rest of the book of John, how he has come to fulfill the Old Testament and inaugurate a New Testament, the Old Covenant. He will fulfill, and he will bring about a new covenant where we're free from the law and relate to God via grace. And all these truths are going to be hard to hear for this audience steeped in the Old Testament, but Jesus will say it because it's the truth and it will set them all free, free from the law, free from thinking they have to you know, become a world superpower like Rome, free from longing for the glory days of Israel, which many of these folks were doing in this text, free to just follow Jesus and experience new glory days. This is great news. Continue in my word, and you really are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Just one problem. These people, hearing Jesus' message of John 8, they were already calling themselves free. They were calling themselves free when they were really enslaved. You can read verse 33 and see this. Jesus says, you know, continue in my truth. If you're my disciples, continue under my truth. The truth will set you free. And here's their response. We're descendants of Abraham. They answered him, we've never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Now, if you know anything about the Bible, people of Israel, people of the Old Testament, you know that this is sort of a, this is really a prideful response to Jesus. When Jesus said he was going to set them free, even these folks who say, so far we believe you, they were indeed and in fact offended. Because remember, in John 8, they're in the temple, right? They got all their religious like robes on, you know, the religious hat that it supposedly gives them authority. They got everything's laced in gold and it's very appropriate and very, you know, high class here in the temple. And Basically, a homeless carpenter from what they considered to be a hick town that nothing good could come from called Nazareth, wasn't even on the map, and his 12 unemployed buddies roll up, and Jesus steps to the forefront in front of these people with seminary degrees and in front of these people that have spent their whole lives memorizing the Torah, and he says, you need me to set you free. To these early Jewish folks in the temple, we can understand this would have dinged the ego a little bit. And in a fit of pride, self-deception takes over. Their emotions take over, right? Emotions are actually good, but we have to be careful. They can be valid, they can be invalid. They can be true, they can be false. And in this emotion and in this moment of, of, of pride, they say, set us free. We're not enslaved. We've never been enslaved to anyone. 
Now, that is called self-deception. Because is that true? No. That's not even in the ballpark of true. Like, they should have phoned a friend. They... (laughs) They should have done the 50-50. They are not going to be a millionaire, right? Regis kicking them out of the studio, okay? They, they, they are done. They, they, if they were on Survivor, this is where they're kicked off the island. You lose. In fact, this true. They're the children of Abraham. But as you go through the Old Testament history of these people, there's almost no neighboring nation they haven't been enslaved by. You don't have to get very far in the Bible. The second book, the book of Exodus, tells us that they were enslaved for 400 years to Egypt. And then it goes on. They were enslaved to the Philistines and to Assyria and Assyria. They were enslaved to Babylon. That should ring a bell for these folks. Like Ezra and Nehemiah, two books of your Bible, are about coming back to the homeland after being in captivity, slaves to Babylon, and it gets even crazier. It gets even weirder and more unbelievable. Right now, as Jesus is speaking to them, in this moment that he is preaching this message in John 8, at this time in history, they're currently enslaved to Rome. They have to use Roman coins. They have to pay taxes to Rome. Right, like nobody likes going to H&R Block and paying taxes, but at least you're paying it to the guys in charge of your place, right? It's going to your school, your roads, whatever. Imagine we got to pay taxes here, and it's like, I don't know, to Canada. It's like, man, I don't even live in Canada. That's kind of what's going on with them. They are currently, at this moment, enslaved to Rome. And yet they say in this fit of pride, we're never enslaved. We've never been enslaved. We're not enslaved now to anyone. Say, how could they be so wrong? And I would say before we ask that question about them, we need to ask that question about us. I believe this verse is in here to show us what we look like. When in a fit of our pride, we call ourselves free, but we're really enslaved. And now we're not enslaved to Egypt, and we're not enslaved to Rome. We're not enslaved to Canada. But we're enslaved to our habits of the flesh, our sin. Which, by the way, is actually what Jesus has been referring to this whole time. Look at verse 34. Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Jesus says, I wasn't even talking politically. I was talking spiritually. I was talking about your sin. You know, just like you have to commit your taxes to the Roman office, when you commit yourself to sin, you practice sin, you become a slave to that sin. And this serves two kinds of readers. This serves the non-Christian and the Christian. If you're a non-Christian, you might say even once in a while, I, yeah, I believe like these folks believed. But if you will not commit to his word, you won't commit to his truth, and you will commit to your sin, this is a warning that you're enslaved to your sin and will not 
be living with the father forever. That's verse 35. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son remains forever. So Jesus is referencing back to something earlier in John chapter 8 where he was talking to non-Christians, and he's talking to non-Christians now. If you're here and in the room, he is warning them to believe in him so they do not die in their sins. It's actually a very serious warning from Jesus for the non-Christian. It's a message, and the message is this. Do not commit yourselves to sin and say, uh, yeah, I can believe a little bit here, sometimes there, but really I'm in it for list your sin. Don't commit to your sin. Commit to Jesus. Don't commit to your sin. Repent of your sin and truly believe in Jesus. Trust him with all you are. Trust him, even if that means he's taking away your sins. In fact, you'll find eventually that's the good part of the good news. He's taking away our sins and giving us himself. So it serves a non-Christian, but I also think this really does serve those of us who truly do believe because we too can commit ourselves to sin even after we're saved. And it's not in a way to where we lose our salvation or anything like that, but it's where we lose some of the joy of our salvation, joy of our freedom. Sometimes our self-deception for us Christians, it doesn't rob us of grace, it doesn't rob us of eternal life, but it robs us of the joy of the truth, the freedom that comes with the truth. And so for Christians, I think here's what Jesus is asking us to do, is to pray to him and say and ask Jesus, where am I calling myself free, even free in Christ, but I'm actually really enslaved? Now, we all need to do this. You know, typically, for those of us who are believers, who do love Jesus and follow Jesus, our thoughts can get kind of pigeonholed, and we think of this type of a concept, you know, I say I'm free, but I'm really enslaved, that we think of like, I don't know, someone who says, you know, I'm free in Christ to have a few drinks, but everybody around that person knows, actually, Uncle Phil, you're an alcoholic, right? Um... Yeah, you're not free at all. Like, we know it's not, and we know what the Bible says, but you, this is not what the Bible says. This is alcoholism. This is drunkenness. And I have, and that is part of it. That, I mean, that is some of it. Like, I've had friends, I'm free in Christ. I can do what I want. I can, you know, if you will, smoke what I want. It's like, you might be free, but you're actually enslaved to that because you can't give that up. You are not in the spirit. At least not the holy one. And there is times like that where we're like, I'm free to engage in this outward thing, this outward sin. And everybody around goes, no, that person's enslaved. But the thing is, is that we all need to ask this question because there's more than just those outward sins. There's sins of the heart. There's inward sins. And here's what some of us need to do this morning is we need to look at where we say something like, I am free to spend my money on whatever I want which may be true, or it may be that Jesus is looking at you and saying, no, you're a slave to materialism. But nobody else can call you out on that because you're free, and you say you're free, and we can't see your heart. You might be like, I'm free to fellowship with who I want to and to talk to who I want and to ignore who I want and to avoid who I want. And some of that's true. We are free to build our relationships based on certain things. But maybe for you, you're not free. Maybe Jesus, for you, he would say, you're actually a slave to judgmentalism. 
and you're proud and think you're better than everybody. It's just to keep throwing out examples like, no, I'm free to spend my time on the weekends however I want. I'm free to spend my nights however I want. I can binge any Netflix show I want at any time, even if it makes me late for work the next day, what have you. And yeah, we are free to entertain ourselves to some degree in Christ, right? We're not under the law. But for you, Jesus may want to whisper to you this morning in response to these prayers, like actually you're a slave to apathy and laziness. We need to ask Jesus to expose in us, where am I calling myself free, but I'm actually enslaved? And what I think will happen is he will show us something this morning. He will do that. And if he does, what Jesus says to do as that becomes exposed is to remain under his word, remain under his truth, remain in his word, and it will set us free. Through the word, through the church, through groups, remain under the truth of the word. And this idea is freedom in Christ. That's true freedom, freedom to remain under the truth, no matter how hard it is to hear and what it takes away from you. That's true freedom. I think many times we think of freedom in Christ as like the freedom America offers, which is really some, very similar to what this early audience was misunderstanding, right? We think of it like the freedom of 4th of July. And I, I love 4th of July because I live in West Greenville too. I live right off White Horse Road and I love 4th of July in West Greenville because there are no firework rules, and if there are firework rules, no one is following them. I mean, we live by the Berea Walmart, okay? We live in a neighborhood. We love our neighbors, love our neighborhood. We have neighbors who can't even afford the basics. And yet somehow on July 4th, July 5th, and July 6th, they got like $2,500 worth of fireworks. And their pyro teenagers are setting them off amongst all the trees, and me and my kids go sit on the trunk, and every year, for a few nights, we get a free fireworks show. And it's exciting, and it's fun. There's a thrill to it. Yeah, dude, we're free. We're in America. This is awesome. And we think that must be what freedom in Christ is like, and there is a piece of that in freedom of Christ. It's thrilling. It's great. But freedom in Christ is more than that. It's different than that. There's, there's more aspects to it. Freedom in Christ is also like freedom from tooth decay, which is really great, and it's really good, and it's a big relief, but it requires a lot of time in the dentist chair. And you know one thing that's really interesting about the dentist chair? They give you all these shots, and they numb you so it won't hurt, but then you still flinch because those drills, they just sound like they hurt. You're like, yeah, I can't feel a thing. I won't be able to feel a thing for hours, but I'm like sitting there twitching because it sounds like it's hurting me. And what's funny is that's sort of like what Jesus is saying to his new followers here and testing them to see if they really believe or not. The word sounds hard to hear, painful at times, difficult to receive. But in the end, it frees us from decay of the soul. It frees us from slavery. And so he's telling these people, and by extension us who believe already, in John 8, is that we need to continue in the word no matter how hard it is because the word of Jesus is the truth. We need to open the word. 
and to ask it, where am I calling myself free, but I'm actually enslaved? And the truth will set us free. Now, that's not the only way our self-deception operates. I've noticed for us believers. For those who believe, it also tends to flip the script. Here's where we get into some really good news. Some news that I think we more like to hear and love to hear is that many times, and many of you are enslaved in a totally different way, or you're, sorry, you're self-deceived in a totally different way. You're believing things about yourself that is not true and that you are saying you're enslaved when you're actually free. Because the text goes on to say this. Look at verse 34 again, and we'll read to the end. Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave doesn't remain in the house forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Or as the old versions of the Bible put it, if the son sets you free, you're free indeed. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, but there is one who is a son. There is one who never commits sins. There is one who is with the Father now and forever. And who is that? It is Jesus. And this is what Jesus is telling them all throughout John 8, that he is God. He is God in the flesh, 100% God, 100% man, that he is God from the beginning, that he's the second member of the Trinity, God the Son, and the Son was sent to set captives free and to make us slaves into sons and daughters of the Most High, right alongside Jesus. And this is great news. He says, continue in my word. And you'll, just, you'll see just how free you really are. For the word tells us the truth. And the truth is, in Christ, we are free. Only one problem. Sometimes we're busy calling ourselves enslaved when we're really free. And for us as Christians to identify ourselves with our sin, that is just as ridiculous as these Israelites identifying themselves with freedom. Jesus came to transfer us from slavery to sin to sonship in righteousness. He did this through his messages, like in John 8, where he is teaching everyone the truth. He did this through his life, where he showed us how to live. He showed us that life is about teaching the truth, preaching the gospel, but also feeding the poor right alongside that and healing the sick and loving the outcast. And then his enemies towards the end of his life, some of them who were probably here in this text listening in John 8, eventually they betray him, they falsely accuse him, they force him into an un, uh, unfair trial where he's beaten and he is scourged. And the whole time you were on his mind. And then Jesus' body is broken and his blood is shed and he goes to the cross, and on the cross, he dies in our place for our sin. On the cross, Jesus takes all of our self-deception onto himself. And on the cross, he shows us the ultimate truth. And the truth is that we're loved, and that we are forgiven, and that we are cleansed. And he declares us righteous with his own righteousness. 
And for all who believe in him, the truth will set them free, free from slavery to sin, free to be the sons and the daughters of God. And that's the gospel. And with this gospel in mind, what I think Jesus is asking us to do is to pray and to ask him, where am I calling myself enslaved, but I'm actually free? Where are we calling ourselves slaves, but we're actually sons? Some of you this morning, you need to find the guilt that has bound you, and you need to tell it, I am free indeed, for the son has taken my guilt on himself. And you need to find the shame that binds you, and you need to preach to your shame, whom the son sets free is free indeed, and Jesus has taken my shame on himself. For those of you, you're struggling this morning with a false identity that enslaves you, like I have to perform to be loved, I have to work to be loved. Jesus says, come to him and be freed, for he loves you despite your works, without your works. He just loves you by grace. And you are free from that false identity. He's calling us today to pray and to ask him, where do I call myself a slave, but I'm actually free? And what do we do if we struggle to believe it? It's what he says in verse 31, continue in my word, for it's the truth, and the truth will set you free. Continue in my word, through the church, through groups, through the preached message on Sundays, remain under the truth that says we're free in Christ. I remember one time on vacation with my cousins, um, they wanted to go do an escape room. Has anyone done an escape room? Anybody? Okay. So you're, are you still in counseling from the escape room? Because <laughs> I am. I, I don't know about you, but being trapped and having to escape, it, for me, it just doesn't sound like a real fun time. But, you know, my cousins wanted to do it, and uh, you kind of got to. And you know, it's just not my thing, especially the way it's marketed. Like, it's like one of them was like, it's a prison break. Can you get out or will you serve a life sentence? I'm like, this is not fun for me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm already claustrophobic, right? Like, I'm praying the Lord's Prayer in elevators. Just like, I don't like even being in the car for too long. It's like, I need a convertible or something just to get me out of this space. And so we're going into this escape room. And of course, you got to sign this waiver. It scares you to death. And um, you know, the guy's all telling, he's all in character. He's like, if you could, hopefully you can figure it out in 60 minutes or else you're never getting out of here and all this stuff. But what's funny is they still have to obey the fire codes of the state. And they also can't actually trap you in there due to like, I don't know, the law. <laughs> and so I remember like getting all nervous and anxious about having to be in this escape room. And I'm going in, the door shuts behind me. And it's this kind of dark place. And then I noticed this red glow and kind of, I looked up behind me above the door and there was this glowing red word that said, exit (laughs) in the escape room. It turns out you can leave whenever you want. You just lose. And I was with my cousin. So I'm like, we're going to lose anyway. It's a waste of $24.99. You can leave whenever you want. And I remember when I stood under that word, realizing this isn't scary at all. I'm free. Let me figure out these clues, because I know y'all can't do it. 
And I thought, man, what a parallel to the lives of the believer, right? The schemer, the schemer, the enemy knows exactly what thought, what mental image to bring up in our mind to convince us, no, remember what you've done. Remember who you are. You're, 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 you're stuck with yourself. You're stuck in your sin. You're stuck with your guilt, stuck with your shame. And he gets us all self-deceived. Thinks, you know, we get to be thinking we're enslaved when really... The truth, when it's opened up, the word, when it's opened up, shows us, no, 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 there's a big red exit sign, red in the blood of Christ, that says, no, you, you're free to come and go. You're free anytime. You're free all the time. And for some of us this morning, it's, we need to get under the word and continue under the word, no matter how hard it is, or sometimes no matter how unbelievable it is, that we really are not identified with our sin, our shame, and our guilt. You need to have faith to believe that you are a new creation, and all the old has passed away, and all things have become new, and yet this is also something that happens for you every day, in every moment. You need to know that the, 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 the truth, the freeing truth that Jesus' love for you does not go up and down with your ups and downs. So ask Jesus to expose, where am I a slave? And I'm calling myself free. And where am I free? But I'm calling myself a slave. Be, let his truth set you free. Because we lie to ourselves. We do it all the time. Self-deception. But the good news is, Jesus came to free us from that self-deception. I'll say a word of prayer for us. And we'll go on to our next element of worship. Jesus, thank you that you love us enough to call us out on sin. And I pray that where we do have a heart of sin, that we wouldn't call it our freedoms. Lord, thank you that you do free us. We're not under the law. There's not a, you know, some extensive rule book like there was for the old covenant people. But Lord, I do pray that we would not fool ourselves into thinking the things that destroy us are actually things that are friendly and free and just no big deal. But Jesus, I know that for most of us, Lord, we are aware of our sin. We are aware of our hearts. And that's the problem that it looks like sometimes we're enslaved, that we're guilty, that we're condemned. But Jesus, help us to have faith to believe the truth, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that you came to set us free. Lord, help us to believe you and to trust you over our feelings, over our thoughts, over the words of others, your word, which is truth. In Jesus' name, amen.